Perfect. All right. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to episode three. Hello. Welcome back. Of the Ivy Art and Pod- Podcast? Podcast. 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 This is why I need breakfast. <laughs> Maybe. I didn't eat breakfast this morning, guys. But anyway, <laughs> welcome back to the Ivy Art and Podcast. Oh, Twice. my God. <laughs> Twice. Oh, my goodness. Welcome back to the Ivy Art and Podcast. Cast. Period. There we go. You got it's it. Mars and Kira. Hello. Back with another episode for you guys. We're super excited, as always, to be chopping it up with y'all. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as you know, we're here. We're here to talk about the arts. The arts. The arts. Because we be art. Because we be art. Because we be art. Just a little recap. If you tuned in last week, you already know. Um, we kind of introduced the arts and unpacking like our identities in relation to that and just some of our identity issues that rise Mm -hmm. when we talk about the art that we practice also shout out to kyle for being a special (laughs) guest thank you so much for coming thanks kyle appreciate you bro (laughs) so moving into today um mars and i we always get together before to plan out our episodes and what we want to talk about and as we were in discussion we realized that representation um Mm -hmm. is a really big thing in our lives and i think in the lives of every black person oh for sure in the arts when it comes to trying to achieve your goals and dreams in the field you know we really need we really think that it's important that you have someone doing the thing that you want to do that way you know that it's possible and so as we were sharing we realized that in our own personal experiences we kind of had a lot of trouble when it came to or at least I know I did like mm-hmm. feeling as if this is something that I could really do just yeah. because I didn't see a lot of people doing the thing, you know, doing dance sure. in the way that I wanted to. And so, yeah, we just wanted to unpack that a little bit. And we're going to actually break this up into three parts. Um, we're going to start by talking about just our personal experience, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. Um, if there was representation, if there wasn't, you know, in the communities that we were in, then we'll go into what representation looks like in our current field so me with dance and mars with music and then we're going to talk about representation in academia mars and i are clearly both in grad school and we have a passion for education just as we do for the arts and it's important to shed light onto what the spaces that we look like what representation looks like in the spaces that we're in now yeah and yeah so let's just let's just like go let's ahead get into and it. dive into it yeah i think mars do you want to start us off with, yeah for sure you know your background and everything yeah so as i've <laughs> mentioned before in like previous episodes our previous two episodes um you know my bio my background is in violin <laughs> background there we is go. In viol- listen we all got a glitch right um <laughs> no but my background is in violin I remember wanting, like, seeing it for the first time when I was, like, two in church. And I was like, oh, I want to play that. Um, And it just happened to be, like, a family friend that was playing. And, you know, when I was a little bit older and was getting close to, like, being able to play it in school, my mom was like, sure, we'll start you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I started at nine. And, of course, my first violin teacher, she was black because this was the family friend in the church from Mm -hmm. before. Um, And so she was teaching me how to play the violin about a year before I started in school. Um, I think I talked about this last episode as well. So I won't get into that too, too much. But when I did start school, uh, it was myself and I want to say one other little black girl that was also playing the violin. Mm -hmm. She eventually stopped once we were in middle school. Um, Our teacher during that time was white man. Shout out to him. He was great. Um, <laughs> Shout out. He, you know, he told me what I needed to. He did. He, he was. Did. He was cool. He was great. Uh, you know, he's from Louisiana. Love him. Love him so much. He used to bring us gumbo. So I mean, I can't. Ooh. And his gumbo was good. Mm. <laughs> his gumbo was good. I love gumbo. After every performance, listen, I couldn't complain, That's and such I, a vibe. I wasn't. It was. Oh my god. The white man made gumbo, and it was good. And it was good. It was good. Wow. Ooh. Shout out to him. Really. <laughs> In the event that he listens to this good on you man <laughs> um <laughs> no but 
um, she had about, I think she quit roughly around middle school mm-hmm. and then in middle school, um, cause you know, a whole bunch of elementary schools merging together in middle school. So like more students, new students to me. Um, there was one other girl, I want to say she was mixed as well. And she also played the violin. She stopped after middle school. Um, I also didn't go to school with them after high school. So there was also that mm-hmm. at that point I was at the performing arts high school. Yeah. So there, um, yeah, it was, it was just me and that orchestra. I was the only, only black girl in that high school. Did you feel as if, let me start by saying this. I know that once I got to, uh, college, that was Mm -hmm. when I started to really realize how me being the only one started affecting me, uh, mentally and emotionally. So I'm curious if at that age, if it had like a big impact on you emotionally or was it just like, oh, okay, this is something that I notice, and then, but let's just keep pushing. Um, I definitely think it impacted me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Definitely before high school. It mm-hmm. impacted me definitely in middle school. Um, Cause I mean, it was really just me, but I didn't think too much of it because when I was in my like own middle school, I was just worried about being the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I cared about. Um, yeah, your mindset's different. My mindset was totally, I was like, I just want to be better than right. all these other kids. And so there was like, maybe one of the girl, her and I, we were kind of tit for tat, but we were cool for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> side eye. Yeah, we were cool for the most part. No qualms. Um, but like when we'd have, you know, all county orchestra and that's, you know, all the schools in my county, mm-hmm. we're all auditioning. Um there I definitely remember like the first time going into my first audition for it and preparing for it I was like okay this is what's coming from the entire county and I think there was maybe one or two other black girls wow in the whole county yeah and that's in general not even just for violin I mean wow and there was I want to say close to 50 of us if not more and it was myself and maybe two other black oh my girls. Goodness. Um, I still stay in touch with one of them, fun fact. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely noticed there. And it was like, it was a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. Actually, I remember being, one, I was playing in front of strangers. So that was terrifying mm-hmm. alone. Um, but to also just be the only one that looked like me, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's when it made me realize, I was like, oh, this isn't just my school. Because there was another school or another two schools mm-hmm. that were predominantly Yes, they were still predominantly white, but they had a larger black population. Yeah. So to see that even then, it was still such a small amount. I was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, this is, this is an issue. <laughs> this is weird. Beyond just my school. Like, yeah. maybe this is a systematic thing. Yeah, know? that's when I realized. I was like, oh, this is beyond mm-hmm. me. <laughs> this is beyond me. Um, but in high school, going into a performing arts high school or really arts school, because we also had like visual arts, creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into that, and you have to, even though it was public, you have to audition to get mm-hmm. in. And that's how, yeah, that's how mine was. Yeah. I, so I didn't know you went to performing arts high school. I feel like we talked about this in like passing, but like, <laughs> it's something you forget from me. It was me. in Maryland or was it in New York? No, in Maryland. Oh, I had no idea. Girl, yeah, I didn't come to New York till undergrad. Wow. Fun fact, fun fact. Oh my gosh, we're like alike. <laughs> <laughs> we're like the same. Oh my God, twinsies. Twinsies. <laughs> um no but yeah once I went there like I was the only one in my in the strings department not the music department Mm -hmm. but like the orchestra it was just me everybody else was white well mm, there was one Latina Mm -hmm. but everybody else oh (laughs) my bad (laughs) no okay so there's one Latina and then two one eventually two sisters Uh um they were a combination of things. Okay. But I want to say the gist of it was East Asian and Latina. Mm-hmm. So that's that's also a combo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was them two. They were great. Love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you were the only black. black. I was the person only of color black person. Period yeah. in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was already so few of us at that school in general. But like, even. By the time I was a senior, I was still the only black girl mm-hmm. at no point had, when we got the freshmen, the incoming freshmen, and as they moved up, there weren't any others. And I didn't see another one until I went back to teach a little bit. 
um, when I was helping out my orchestra, my former orchestra director, mm-hmm. he's retired now. Um, when I went back to, I think you and I were talking about this earlier too. When I went back to teach, and there was a freshman, she was black, um, and I was like, oh, that's nice to see. Mm-hmm. But it was also just her. Mm-hmm. There, I don't recall seeing anyone in the cello section, in the violas. It was just, I was like, it was just, just her. her. And I'm like, huh interesting yeah and i feel like you immediately start to look back on your experience and be like oh my gosh these are, i know what i felt like when i was the only one so mm-hmm. now that i'm out of it and i'm seeing someone else going through the same thing that i went through you it's like oh it just, like your heart automatically just goes out feel goes for out. them and yeah yeah and so i definitely remember like and she was struggling a little bit and i remember when i was having like a little bit of a sectional with the like because I had the freshman and sophomore violins Mm -hmm. Um, because you know it's December they're working on the winter music specifically a holy night and the arrangement that it's the same arrangement that he'd been playing since the school opened Mm -hmm. like 15 16 years ago so a holy night child a holy night it was a holy night (laughs) and that arrangement for the strings is heinous the original one which we were playing when I was, you know, there. <laughs> However, he didn't start simplifying it until I was a junior. Uh-huh. Because, you know what? I have qualms about it. I have feelings. <laughs> I do. I have feelings, so we're not going to get into them. <laughs> right. But um, he did simplify it for them. And even then, you know, because of COVID, the incoming freshmen and sophomores were significantly behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt myself really, of course, I wanted to, like, help them. I was gravitating towards all of them. I definitely recall gravitating to her a little bit more and being like, oh, do this, do that. I mean, she still had the tape on her fingerboard. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, how can I use this short amount of time that I have with them to best help them and to especially best help her? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was nice to be able to do that because mm-hmm. I did see her, you know, improve a little bit and she felt a little bit more comfortable. But you were able to give her yeah. what you wish you I were had. given and what you had when you were. Never had. Yeah. <laughs> I was able to give her what I never had. Because mm-hmm. um, when, when they threw us in, it was dog eat dog. Mm-hmm. Like either you catch up to the rep or you get left and potentially mm-hmm. kicked out. Um, it's so rough to, out there. Ooh, it was rough out there. It was rough. Um, just to, so just to see that and be able to kind of offer that softness was really nice. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, undergrad, PWIs, NYU. Yeah. I mean, I want to say I was only the only black person in the music ed department mm-hmm. for my cohort. Um, but I was also, there's only two strings people, myself and one other girl. I was the only black one. The other one, she's Latina. Um, so we kind of we could relate in some ways, but not in a lot. Um, and I want to say during my four years there, I only saw one or two other black strings people at mm-hmm. all. Um, and really, one was a performance major, and she played the viola. Mm-hmm. The other one, she was just taking private lessons because she played in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wasn't a performance or music major whatsoever. So it was really just the two of us. And we never spoke. Me and the violist, we never spoke. I just see her around, either in a practice room when I'm heading to one or between classes. But at no point did her and I ever speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it. And that's at NYU. NYU. Way bigger population. Still nothing. <gasps> nothing. <laughs> and that actually surprises me because you're in New York. Like, right. the place where everyone Right. Is so immediately I would just make the assumption that whatever program mm-hmm. you're in, you know, no it's matter where you are in the city, it would be mm-hmm. whatever. But no, 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 not at all. Um, should I share a little bit? Absolutely. Background? Let's hear you. So, all right, y'all. Mm-mm. Let's see. Where do I start? Let's start when I was a young little lad. So, <laughs> a little lad. A little lad. Um, so. <laughs> I I mentioned this last, last this last week, excuse me, but I got all of my training in church. Mm-hmm. Um, a mentor of mine, she took me under her wing, and and it was it was really great. Um, I never really thought about doing dance seriously, but I did know that it was fun and that I liked it. And when I was first introduced to dance, I was surrounded by people in my community, um, you know, within the church. But then also when we when she would take me to uh, practice at her college. Um, I was with 
black dancers. Like we were at HBCU, we were at PV. So like, you know, I, I, I just had black people with me. <laughs> I just had black people with me. So it was, it was my norm and, and it was great. Um, once I got into middle school, that was when I joined the dance department and I went to a magnet performing arts middle school um, and a high school one as well. Uh, but I think this was the first time when I realized that, oh, I'm different, mm. but it still wasn't, there was still some kind of like barrier up that kept me from realizing that, oh, it's because of like race, like mm -hmm. it's because of the way the country is set up and systematically like this is why things, this is why I'm going through this experience. But you know, when you're younger, you know, you're, you're young, you're like innocent, like you don't really understand things fully. You know, sometimes it, it's not until you get to college when you realize, oh my gosh. So anyway, yeah, it's middle school and you know, it would be little things like, um, okay, this is how we're gonna wear our hair. We're gonna do a French twist for the performance or a French braid. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, I can do a French braid. And there's only like white people in the um, advanced class that I was in. And, um, you know, I, I like to think that I could do a French braid and that it would look the exact same, but it definitely didn't. You know, like when black people be trying to do it, it just be sticking out. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a little bump. <laughs> the bump and it'd be so stiff and you'd be like oh my gosh but anyway I when I was in dance and you know we were told to wear, her, wear our hair a certain way or do this kind of thing it was like oh wait like I can't do that because my hair doesn't do that and because there weren't other black people in the class with me mm -hmm. it wasn't like I could go up I didn't feel like I had the space to go up to my teacher and explain to them why I couldn't do that because I didn't have like that backup support you know yeah and so yeah um still in middle school there came a point where it was like oh we're gonna join studios and all of them went to this really expensive studio mm -hmm. and I couldn't go to a studio I like went to my mom and I was like oh I want to do a studio la, la, la. and she's like Kira, we can't, we can't do one. And I'm thinking that she doesn't want to put me in one just because she doesn't want to put me in one. Yeah. But I didn't realize that there were like bigger financial things or like, you know, like, you know, single yeah. mom of three, like we don't really have the money to do, do that. that. But, mm -hmm. you know, their situation is different because, you know, like the whole privilege thing. No, and so, sure. yeah, again, with these issues, like, because I was the only black person experiences in a group of like white friends, I didn't have that backup support to mm -hmm. be like, oh, this is why. Um, but so, yeah, I guess that doesn't, that, it touches on representation a little bit, but basically I was just really lonely in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> but moving forward, um, once I got to high school, I was really, blessed with a great community in high school it was a very good mix of um all people of all races ethnicities backgrounds religions like whatever it like? is <sighs> it was really great i'm not gonna lie I love that um in my department my teachers were so supportive i had a black uh there were like two chairs there was a black one and a white one and um they were just they they were just so great they were so great and my dance community um if it, it felt really nice to have people in the classroom that looked like me because i didn't have to because i didn't have to force myself to fit in with people just for the sake of surviving and getting through it, which is exactly what i did in middle school mm -hmm. and so now you know I had, I could just dance to dance because I had my people and other people and we could just be, be one. I didn't have to focus on those other, you know, racial barriers because they just weren't affecting me as much once I was in high school. So high school um, was really great. And I also had, still had my mentor from earlier who still gave me that support as like a black dancer mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. The real issues didn't come until I got to college. And mm -hmm. so I'm from Texas. 
I'm from Texas, and so I'm sure it's probably. Um, Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make the assumption that there aren't as many black people within programs at in the schools in Texas, then like that. I mean, I feel like that assumption is very valid because it's Texas because it's Texas. But anyway, I went to TCU and I remember the first week of classes as a freshman. I. I cried literally like every day, not because I was in a new environment and I was like, oh, college, I don't know how to do it. But when I went to dance, I'm in a ballet class and I declared myself as a modern major. I'm in a ballet class. Everyone is white. I'm the only black person. And this was the very first time when I realized that I was the actual difference in the room because everyone is lined up perfectly. Everyone has on their leotard and tights. And then you look at the end of of the bar and it's like, oh, wait, you don't fit in with everything that's around you right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I could not focus the whole rest of the week, all of my classes. I was just, I was just crying and I went to my professor who was black and I was, I'm so incredibly thankful for him. Shout out to Adam McKinney, artistic director of Pittsburgh Ballet Theater, because he really saved my life when, when I was at TCU, because I went into his office and I explained to him, I was like, I want to leave. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in class. You know, I don't, I don't have anyone to go through this with me you know I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm striving towards because I don't see I've, I haven't encountered anyone that's doing the thing that I want to do yeah. and he immediately he was like yeah it's so white it was so white <laughs> and I appreciated that that yeah. he was okay with breaking that like level of professionalism I guess and spoke to me as a real human being and as a real like black person experiencing um, what it's like to be dancing in an all-white environment Um, because I feel like sometimes when you speak to professors or just Mm -hmm. higher-ups in general like they've really tried to keep that student teacher you know that level of professionalism and it's hard to really get them to feel as if it's hard to feel as if they can empathize with you yeah but he immediately like dropped that barrier and he was like I get it it is so white la 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 and it really helped me um but anyway that was my reality all four years like in my class of 2023 there were seven there were like seven to ten black dancers in the department as a whole but just in my class I was the only one Mm -hmm. so all throughout the years I was really struggling feeling as if dance was possible feeling as if that this career could actually or this want for my career could actually become a reality and you know as graduations approaching approaching um as you know the time for auditioning for companies is coming up like it was like oh crap like do I really think that I could do this do I really think this is possible and um I just wanted to share this little story really quick my senior year up until then I have never seen black dancers mm-hmm. on a stage doing ballet mm. never ever ever mm-hmm. two of my teachers brought in dance theater of harlem and dance theater of harlem dance theater of harlem is an all black um dance company here yeah. in new york and i'm 22 years old and this is my first time mm-hmm. seeing people that look like me on a stage and it's just them I was I was blown away. Yeah. I That's big. It was truly transforming. Like it was a it was it was amazing and I had hung up point in ballet. I was like I'm not doing this stuff. I was like it doesn't work. My kind of my body does not this big booty. It <laughs> like it's it is not it just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the aesthetic, <laughs> the narratives that exist in ballet. Yeah. But I saw these people on stage and the next day I went up to my professor and I said, I will have my point shoes on in class. And she was like, period. She's like, okay, Kiki. And I was like, mm-hmm. and the next, the classes for the rest of the semester, I like brought out my point shoes and, 
And it was just really, really big. And now I just have this new inspiration. I'm like, oh my gosh, black people can be ballerinas. You know, black people can be in these amazing companies and do all of these things. And so all that goes to say is that having little to no representation all of these years really affected my ability to think that my career was possible. And sometimes it literally just takes seeing someone doing what you want to do to mm-hmm. change your um, your mindset and perspective when it comes to achieving that goal. So, y'all, we here oh, yeah. today. That only makes <laughs> me think a little bit. Um, just because, like, my field wasn't specifically performance, but, like, music mm-hmm. education. And I didn't experience having a black educator aside from, you know, the family friend mm-hmm. who also she was still going through school herself. So like teaching me the basics, teaching me a lot of like the different techniques that my elementary school had taught, elementary school teacher had Mm -hmm. taught me, she was able to do. But there came a certain point where one, she wasn't able to anymore, but also like what I was getting in school either was at what she could teach me or slightly below it. Mm -hmm. So, and I, in high school they had a private instructor for all of us so like that was something i didn't have to pay for mm-hmm. so not to say i didn't need her anymore but like if that was you know extra money that my mom could save yeah yeah she can because now i'm getting private lessons mm-hmm. in school but not having a formal music educator until my last year a formal educator ed- educator that looked like you a formal educator in general okay. but especially music educator mm-hmm. that looked like me that mm-hmm. was black until my senior year of undergrad so at that point i was what 22 Mm -hmm. and even then he wasn't really he was the interim director for program yeah interim program director for music ed and he wasn't really teaching us anything for the last semester It was just facilitating our conversations about our student teaching experience Mm -hmm. so i didn't really get to learn anything from him or take anything from him he just kind of said, hey, talk in your groups about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I didn't, I haven't really had an educator even in the arts where they're teaching me something mm-hmm. really until this year with the professor that we talked that about. That yeah. Um, I think the first episode. Ugh. And it kind of like makes me wonder, had I had that yes. growing up, like would I have strived even harder to yes. do what it is that I was doing? And Especially would I would I've made the would I've made the decision to be in grad school right now? Would I have been more motivated to act to just join a company? Yeah, because I had was, we had that. Yeah, like would that have changed the trajectory of our experience mm-hmm. in relation to the arts? Yeah, had we had those experiences, had that representation in our K through twelve, really, even K through twelve and up into our first experiences in higher ed would that have changed for us yeah and it's so like when I actually give myself the time and space to think about these things like sometimes I get a little like sad but I also get a little envious of the people that did have that yeah like I remember I went up to my professor in undergrad and I was asking her I was like what was your experience like you know as a black person black female trying to navigate the ballet world um and she was so straight up with me. She was like, I've always been surrounded by a black community when it came to learning this art form. So I never really dealt with that. Oh, am I fitting in? Do people think I'll be good enough? Because she was always surrounded by people that looked like her. Mm-hmm. And so the path, it was just, the path just seemed so like straightforward, straight for her, straightforward for her. And I remember after that conversation, like I was honestly kind of mad, like, yeah, like, the level of envy (laughs) yeah and and i was like okay kara i recognize like where these feelings are coming from you know like you're not actually mad at this person or anything but you're just mad at the system like you're mad that for some people it looks like this and for others it looks like this and Mm -hmm. and it's just it's it sucked it sucked um but yeah i just i guess now shifting the conversation a little bit um I want to also speak about like, what do we think, what does representation look like in our field today now that we are out of the 
undergrad you know the whole undergrad situation now that yes we're in grad school but we may return you know to our field or we never left our field but in performing wise you know we may make the decision to join a um, philharmonic orchestra or me join a company and so do you feel that representation has gotten better in the world today um, or worse like what do you think it definitely depends because I would say that the representation is more present now, but I also want to lean away from saying that because I think the access to social media mm-hmm. has just made how made it more, I guess, obvious of how many of us are actually in this field. So like mm-hmm. specifically as a string player, because of my access to social media, I've become more aware of the professional, you know, black musicians, black string players specifically um, that are in this world. Like I can quickly reference two. Um, you may or may not know the duo Black Violin. Um, I do not know, but okay. I will look them up. <laughs> no, they're um, they've gotten pretty big over the last few years or so. Um, they're both black violinists Mm -hmm. they're um black men which is also incredibly rare to see like first of all it's already rare to see just a black violinist period but when you do nine times out of ten they're going to be old white man no um (laughs) (laughs) uh, specifically for black violinists got it um (laughs) specifically for black violinists uh if you do see one they're likely going to be a woman Mm -hmm. or feminine presenting Mm. um so it's incredibly rare to see black men specifically playing the violin. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like when I see black men in strings, you're going to see them on the bigger instruments like a cello or the double bass, mm-hmm. upright bass. Um, so to actually see them on a smaller instrument that's typically been categorized as like dainty and girly, uh, it's so warming. That's so interesting. It's so warming. And they're so amazing. Yeah. First of all, they're so great. Um, so when I discovered, well, I want to say it was like one of my mom's friends who mm-hmm. just saw them and they were like, they like messaged me about it on Facebook. They like sent it to me years ago. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. But also, I mean, there's only <laughs> at the time I was just like, I'm literally just trying to make it through this journey, yeah. please. <laughs> I want to see this, but I don't want to see right. this right now. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I was only grateful to have seen that. Um. And that was only through social media because, I mean, there really weren't, like, broadcast networks. We didn't mm-hmm. do um, cable once we had a certain age. So I was just like, I'm not, I'm not seeing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but her or she's known on Instagram as Afro violinist, mm-hmm. but her name is Melissa White. Um, she is both a professional violinist, but she's also an academic. Mm-hmm. So like, ooh, that's that's important. That is, she's I'm, an academic. We're gonna put a pin in that. We are. I'm not gonna go into too much about her, other than that, you know, I found her on Instagram and I was like, oh my god, she's so good. Mm-hmm. She's actively performing and doing, you know, guest solos, all of these things, and she's also an adjunct at a few schools. She's doing both. She's doing she's doing both, and she's making it work. Um, and now she adjuncts at NYU in the music department. <laughs> I'm not salty. It's fine. She came the year after I graduated. Yeah. Sigh. Um, but it's fine <laughs> though. It's fine. It is and fine. It is. It's so fine. We're thankful that the other people. Yeah. The what other people? <laughs> right. <'cause>... Right. <laughs> right. What other people? I mean, I'm sure there's more now, but even the... what other people? Right. <laughs> no. Um. You know, whoever gets to study with her, I hope you know you're lucky. Um, I'm dead. Yeah, I want to make sure they I'm know that. I'm jealous of you. I, oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> like, no no beef with the previous instructor. Again, <laughs> love her down. She really supported me. But what I have taken a semester away to study under her, had she been there, mm-hmm. under Melissa, while she was, you know, at NYU. Absolutely. Yeah. Had she been there while I was there. Yeah. Absolutely. I would have taken away one semester. Yeah. Um. I wanted to go back to your point of like social media. Like, yeah, that's a big thing. And it's it's interesting when you actually when you're when you have lived the 
shift you know like i feel like you know when i have like kids down the line i can be like Mm. oh i remember when this wasn't a thing no yeah you know like being able to say (laughs) that's be able to say that statement you know like back in the day because there actually yeah. was a back in the, the day for us which is nuts yeah when social media wasn't as prevalent you know you didn't see a lot of people that looked like you and i actually remember i think i was in high school mm-hmm. um i think it was like freshman sophomore year yeah i unfollowed every single dance account that i you know that i was subscribed subscribed to because I was pissed off. I was mad that I w- I did not see anybody that looked like me. Fair. You know, it was all these people doing these really cool like tricks and everything. But I was like, oh, but I can't do that. Right. I can't do that. And it was so toxic for me. And I was like, unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. And anytime like my dancer friends would like speak about these accounts, like, oh, did you see that? Did you see that? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> no. I didn't. I didn't. And I told them I was like, I unfollowed them because this is not this is not reflective of the actual world that we live in today at all and it pissed me off like flat out and so i did there the shift once i got into high child not high school oh girl what's it called undergrad undergrad girl thank you girl mm-hmm. thank you girl um <laughs> but once i got into undergrad like you know when i revolve the accounts you know right, and right. you know arc. i was more woke <laughs> that you know there were people in the world that looked like me like misty copeland and like you know i was more aware of dancing and of harlem artists like i was like oh okay like maybe maybe like maybe this thing <laughs> is possible you know but again it just goes back to social media like and how it has really been the thing that has allowed more dancers of color to realize that this thing is possible for them yeah um it's been a driving force really yeah but i also do want to make sure that i acknowledge how not everyone has access to social media too not everyone has access to a phone you know to all of these things and so there's still that bigger issue of how can we get how can we really inspire the young to feel as if like their dreams are possible Mm -hmm. you know if and how how can the representation in our fields be so just magnificently juicy and dense (laughs) to where people don't need to look up a Mm -hmm. person of color that's in the field that they want to but it's their teacher you know there's multiple people on faculty there's multiple touring companies that are coming to these cities Mm -hmm. and they you know they go to see the show and they immediately see people that look like them on stage. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's the end goal. Um, I know for myself, when it comes to companies, um, it's, it's, it's a little conflicting. And Mars and I were talking about this right before we started recording, but Mm -hmm. I mentioned how a person should not have to give up um, their dream of dancing with a specific company just because there are not people that just because there aren't people that look like them in that company mm-hmm. and because they just are immediately in the state of oh I'm going to be alone during all of this me. you know it's just going to be me and Mars made a really good comparison it's like making the choice between going to HBCU a versus PWI. a PWI like yeah that's I, how it feels yeah like I didn't choose to go I didn't choose to go to HBCU, not because I don't like my community and I don't want to go to school with them, no, but it's because when it comes to my actual career, like going to this dance program at TCU and pretty much all, you know, white schools, like their technical pre-professional dance programs are really good. Like that's where you need to go. Like I went because of my career, not because of my community. And Mm -hmm. I don't think people should have to face that choice, you know, like that, that really sucked because it then then put me in the position of me being teased for going to PWI like mm-hmm. people you know that resurfacing of the word Oreo like oh. oh you're black on the outside but you're you're white you're really white because mm. you chose to go to the school and I'm like can you stop pressing me bro because like you don't even you don't know why I made this choice first of all but also you don't know what I'm experiencing you don't know the emotions that I'm dealing with like you think that I wanted to not go to a school that was made for my community like you think yeah. that I wanted to choose being the only black person in my class and having to experience you know all of the emotions that come with that like yeah like I think people who were okay we're getting a little off topic but I'm gonna say this real quick before mm-hmm. we get back on 
it's just all so juicy it and it's is. all connected so but go i will ahead. say i will say that those who you know do chastise about those of us who've made the choice of going to a pwi over a hbcu don't also take into account that like nine times out of ten we already grappled with having to choose mm-hmm. not our community yeah for the sake of our career or financial reasons but we've also grappled with the fact of like i know i'm going to suffer mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. i know i'm going to yeah. suffer and they like don't take that into account mm-hmm. it's like bro you on my back guess what i'm on my back right, right. <laughs> like there's nothing you can say yeah that's worse than what i've said to myself yeah and it's like how about you just support me right during this make me feel better time Jesus. make me feel better versus making <laughs> me feel worse about the fact that i chose to go to school with white people like yeah. and it's not even the fact that like we're choosing to go to school with white people it's specifically the fact that we're choosing to be the only one that looks like us already nine times out of ten knowing what that feels like Mm -hmm. and choosing to do it anyway for a number of reasons Mm -hmm. like for me one i'm getting a scholarship whereas PWI, not PWI, the HBCU. HBCU. Had, they wouldn't give me nothing. Right, right, <laughs> give me nothing. right. Because I would have been paying more. I would have been in debt, I baby. Been, I would have been in debt. I would not right. be here. I would be in debt. Right. <laughs> I would have been in debt. <laughs> debt. Not to say I'm not in debt now, but coming out of NYU <laughs> with only 15K in student loans. Right. Mind you, their tuition is nuts. Yeah. But, but you would have been in more debt if you had chose crazy. to go. They basically gave me a full ride. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm gonna choose the full ride, baby. Right. I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna choose the full ride. Straight up. Like, Straight unless up. you want to cough up that money for me, that's what I have to choose. Right. In order to do the art that I'm doing, because are there other music education programs? Yes, but also, and we are gonna get into this in another. There's so much. It's tie. It ties into a lot of things because ooh. I don't think I realize how hard it is for us to not get into some of our other topics. And this is why we started the podcast because this is where our first conversation. <laughs> we're was starting like to bounce. In the library. We're starting to bounce. We were just talking about one thing and then it went to another and another, another and another. another. But we gonna get. Let's let's, let's recenter. Let's refocus cap it now. <laughs> we're we'll gonna refocus. bring back. The Y'all got a taste. Conversation of education and PWI HBCU. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah. That whole thing. But anyway, in a dance world back today, to representation. back to representation, back to representation in the field, find post, it. you know, with social, find it, right? Find it. <laughs> social media is a thing. Social media has helped the both of us. For sure. Um, and it has even like, I mean, okay, I started a YouTube channel. Like yeah. it has seeing seeing more people, you mm-hmm. know, and seeing how social media has been able to reach more people. It has inspired me to use social media more to do the same thing um especially for people in my community you know like maybe they don't maybe they're not aware of say this this person but yeah. because i am aware of this person i am the you know i am the um the segue or the middleman for that person to then become aware i i hope i'm saying does that make sense I don't think it makes sense. Does that make sense? I get you. If I could like draw it out, you would get it. But this is the podcast, so you can't really like see. I don't know. See the YouTube. Um, (laughs) See the YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, go ahead. Click that link. Um, But yeah, um, I'm anyway, I'm I'm grateful for social media and I'm um, thankful that. um, Oh, girl, I know what we was talking about. How (laughs) you shouldn't feel as if you should have to Choose. choose between two companies oh we really got off track girl i know girl oh but we back we're back we We found it we're back um and so i i think that it's important that companies um integrate more for sure integrate more and i'm happy that the black artists that are within these companies like abt and nycb that they are making a mission making it a mission to use social media to bring more attention to the fact that they are the only one or they are one out of say like five Mm -hmm. in the company of a hundred something dancers um and just really bringing that attention to these white um dominant companies in order to help uh bring about awareness and hopefully you know lead to more integration of more colors um more people of color no no yeah i 
So, so now, off topic. Now it's my turn a little bit to say like, <laughs> I'm a little bit jealous of that though, because I feel like based off of what you were just saying, mm. you know, dance companies are making a little bit more of an effort to be more inclusive and be genuinely more diverse, but still there's this kind of barrier within the music world, but specifically like the classical music world. Mm. Because let's be real, black musicians have always been a thing. That's not new. They've always been around and you can, can name a bunch off the top of my head now, mm-hmm. but those are on popular instruments. And when I say popular instruments, my musicians might most likely understand what I'm saying, but for those who aren't musicians or have a music background, there's a difference between well-known instruments that are literally the word popular and like pop instruments for music. Mm-hmm. So like when I think pop instrument, I think guitar, electric guitar or electric bass. I think piano. Or if you're a singer, like you're, I would consider being a singer a pop instrument. Yeah. Um, because that's also an assumption for if you're black and in your you're in music, I immediately get, oh, are you a singer? No, actually, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then you also see black people, especially with band bass instruments, so trumpet, saxophone. You might get a flute in there. You might get a French horn. I feel like. Let me know if this is true or not. But I feel like when people think black musician, they think jazz. For sure. They and automatically they think place jazz, them into, think that, band. into that category. For sure. That's typically it. They'll think, oh, if I say no to being a singer, they're going to think, oh, do you think do you play a band instrument? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, also, no. Mm-hmm. Um, like the level of surprise that I get every time I say, I'm a, oh, I'm a violinist. violinist. Yeah. They're like, oh, OK. And then I get snaps. Yeah, do yeah, your yeah. thing, girl. Thank you. Appreciate it. Right. <laughs> I understand the surprise mm-hmm. and to an extent I appreciate it. Can I say it's a little annoying? Yeah, because yeah. it's like, are we really that uncommon? Mm-hmm. But the answer is yes. Yes, we are. Like, um, I some I used to substitute coach for a youth orchestra here in New mm-hmm. York City um, through my mentor teacher from student teaching. Shout out to him. Um, <laughs> but the... He's the director of that youth orchestra, mm-hmm. and this is the advanced section that he's conducting himself. And there, there was black cellist boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> black cellist. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. His whole, all of his siblings. He and himself. His, he himself and his siblings, mm-hmm. singer siblings. Um, they all play string instruments, and they're all advanced. And it's their mm-hmm. whole family. I mean, mm-hmm. not their parents, but their parents got all of them into it. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that that was even a thing and they're so good, so good. Mm-hmm. And he's like specifically that cello player. I recall him being a little bit cocky about mm-hmm. it. And I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was here <laughs> for it. And this also makes me think about one of the other actual sectional coaches um, before that youth orchestra. She's also black. She's mm-hmm. an educator here in New York City. Shout out to her. She's a violist. Um, but him specifically, like, I remember him being a little cocky and he would just play and it was so good. I'm like, you know what? You deserve every right to be. Yeah. You're allowed to be. Yeah. Because I recall when I was your age, I didn't see anybody else like you. Mm. Did I see the cockiness? For sure. Mm-hmm. Half the time was it misplaced? For yeah. sure. <laughs> but not this time. Mm-hmm. For sure. At his age, he was like maybe 15. Wow. Listen, if he wanted to graduate early and go to school for performance, he absolutely could have gotten in. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what he's doing now um cuz I no longer substitute there, but I I hope he goes so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope he goes mm-hmm. so far. And it it was wild to see cuz I'm like first of all, whole family. A whole I love when a family. I love that. Oh. I love that they're the, they're these three, the figgins. The Figgins in the dance world. The Figgins. There are three of them. They're like choreographers and dancers. Um, and all three of them. Mm-hmm. All three of them were in major, the top ballet and modern dance companies uh. that are in this world. And I was like, how is it? How? How is it that all three of you just came out and was just like, boom, we're doing this. Hello, we world. Can do this. Hello, <laughs> right. And they, they did it. They they are doing the thing and and they are part of that, you know, larger representation that has helped me feel as if 
you know this whole thing is capable but mm-hmm. i'd be like wow three period and it's like wow not one not, <laughs> not two, two but three, three. that's nuts <laughs> and I, I love seeing it every time every time it's a family i'm like oh wow so it just it just literally ran in the family it ran in the family that's nuts it ran in the family <laughs> seriously okay moving into <clears throat> moving into okay moving into our third and final category uh, before we wrap things up mm-hmm. uh representation in academia um a little snippet of this yeah, yeah. and and we're gonna generally speak now about this because you know whether you're an artist or not this applies to everyone yeah and um you know mars mentioned earlier about you know what what would a life look like if i had a teacher Mm -hmm. that was teaching me science you know it wasn't you well you weren't speaking about science specifically no now moving into (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not but now moving Mm -hmm. into like my example like what if i had a teacher that was teaching me science or teaching me teaching me this thing that looked like me like Mm -hmm. how would that have changed my perspective would i have liked science more would i have liked math more would i have liked dance more music more like all you know Mm -hmm. there's always these what if questions and um I wanted to speak about this experience that I had here at Columbia. Um, so our program, I think we mentioned this in our first week, but yeah. our program, we are the only two. We have like 60 something, 62? 62 64? now, initially 67. Yeah, the we got a lot. E- listen, the extra five people were not black, so yeah, this so doesn't make a difference really to us. They don't really make a difference, right? <laughs> but anyway, we got a whole lot of people in our program, and mm-hmm. Mars and I are the only black people. And faculty-wise, there's only one full-time, full-time black faculty member, too. Love her. Love, love her to death. Truly. She's amazing. She's she has we, my whole heart. We I'm like, raved about her the first episode, right? And um, I'm gonna rave about her, her again every time. And she's gonna Sorry, be a special y'all. guest on here also, so you guys will get to meet her. But anyway, um, now I have made this clear shift from okay, I don't just have to be a dancer. I can be mm-hmm. a dancer and an educator. Like I don't have to sacrifice um, my other wants and passions just for this art form. Like there's a way to make them work. Mm-hmm. And you bringing up that example of Melissa, Melissa White, Melissa, who is a violinist, but also an educator, like yeah, bringing that back around, like um, there's a way to do both. And so mm-hmm. now that I've given myself the opportunity to, to do both, I've, I'm back in this position of like, how do I do this? Yeah. I haven't seen how do I make the time but also I haven't seen anybody that has done this like I've never encountered a black dancer woman woman black woman that's a dancer educator researcher all of that stuff and so I've been struggling thinking like is this possible and you're looking at me like you want to tell me something yes um well not common if I do direct you to someone she's you likely already know who this is debbie mm-hmm. allen oh yes i know her of course you know debbie allen and her background if i'm not mistaken is predominantly in dance mm-hmm. and that's kind of how she climbed the ranks and i think she might be a good example if not one of the few if not only examples of someone who has now at least in her present life i don't mm-hmm. know if she's always done this but you know having that balance between being a dancer performer dancer actor performer but also an educator educator yeah because she has her own school now she has her own school and (laughs) yeah she has her own school and like you know it's not like she just has instructors choreographers whatever and you know she has no place in Mm -hmm. it no like she's i believe there's several if not consistent videos of like her going into these you know rooms Mm -hmm. and giving them tips and helping them be like no this is how you need to do it yeah and we're seeing that and i was like oh my god yeah 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 she's doing the thing and and that's she's doing that it. that is a really good example mm-hmm. but then this is when actually meeting somebody yeah comes into play yeah because what's the likelihood of you meeting debbie allen right like, i mean like, like definitely could. i could definitely like i think i could find a way you oh, know a thousand percent but Not it's to see like, you can't get in that room. Right. But like right now in this moment. Exactly. Like are you going to walk outside and see Debbie Allen and be like, hey girl. <laughs> exactly. And and even going back to my example of um, 
the whole little dance theater of Harlem thing that I, you know, encountered in undergrad, like I had, I had known that this company existed, but it wasn't until I actually saw them in person and got to talk with them. That was what changed my experience. And it's like when you go to a concert or, you know, you get a new, a new artist, like say Frank Ocean, like you listen to their music and you know that they're real, obviously, because they're making music and you're listening to it right now. But then it's something about going to their actual concert and seeing them in person when you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is a real person, you like know? They actually do this thing in exactly, real life. Exactly, exactly. And so that's what I'm needing now, specifically, you know, with trying to figure out dance and education and all of that stuff. And so we, there was this event, there's this uh, club here called Black Student Network, and they hosted an event where it was like, meet the black. It was a chance for the black students to meet the black faculty yeah i think it was just meet the black faculty like i don't think it had a specific it had like name. a specific name okay yeah. so we had this event and i went to it and similar to the experience that i had when i met dance theater of harlem i had that same like transformative experience after i yeah. met the black faculty because then i realized i was like oh okay bet this is possible now that i'm actually meeting and getting to speak with people and they're actually they're giving me like words of wisdom as to how to navigate this new journey now I don't, you know, now I don't feel the need to shy away from it or gaslight myself or like, um, tear, you know, tear myself down and have these negative thoughts of thinking that it isn't possible because it is possible because I've sure. seen it, I've encountered it. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but I at least know that there is a way for um, this to manifest in my life because it did in theirs. Yeah. No, and that definitely, I remember seeing that happen kind of like in real time where it clicked for you. You saw me, I took like, out girl, the note, I, I took the yeah. sticky notes off the table. And right, I just, with a Sharpie. Right, and, and Mars <laughs> kept asking me, she was like, girl, do, do you want, want a pen? pen? She was like, do you want a pen? I was like, no, I'm good. And it was like, you were really in. I was in you it. You were in it, because at that point you are like, I was in dang. it. No, but that was such a good experience and getting to see them and hear them. Like, these are all people who have gone through the ranks of mm-hmm. academia like i'm pretty sure everybody up there had their phd in something mm-hmm. um which i personally love and to two see. of them wait sorry one of them was an artist the hip-hop science oh, yeah. yeah 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 he like mixed rap and science, science. he was rapping about e equals mc squared y'all like like he freestyled for us and that was nuts right i was like oh wow like he mixed his art what clicked for him because he even said um that even an undergrad that he really just wanted to do like to be a rapper mm-hmm. and that's when it kind of clicked for him that he wanted to actually combine that with science mm-hmm. and he managed to do that and you know he's now collaborated with other artists and other you know i don't know if he collaborated with like other faculty mm-hmm. um but he has mixed with like other professionals within stem yeah i don't know too much about that so that's as much as you're getting from me that's all you're gonna get from me um (laughs) but he managed to do that and i was incredibly impressed especially Mm -hmm. like with the place that like hip-hop is starting to take in music ed hopefully it will continue to take a place in music education Mm -hmm. and i Um, love that he's here he's here at columbia teachers college like which is nuts this is even us being here is is like (laughs) wow but to have him who's someone who has combined stem and the arts and that like that has been his focus Mm -hmm. for years Mm -hmm. that's so that's so unheard of and so it was definitely inspiring to like hear him talk about that balance for himself but then to also hear the others and i think you had asked them you know how do you balance or how do you choose between the two and they were like you don't mm-hmm. the re- if you can find a connection between the two of them then that's what your focus is is finding that connection and making it make sense yeah because it already makes sense to you you found the connection mm-hmm. and if you found that connection others have too mm-hmm. so now it's up to you to make sure others who don't understand it understand mm-hmm. it and that that settled a lot for me for when it made me realize oh i have I have to do more school. I have to do more school. This is not my last degree. Right. And that's so upsetting because money. <laughs> that's so upsetting. Right. But like that really, I definitely 
recall seeing that click mm -hmm. so hard for you. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, here you are, just scribbling away on yeah. your little notepad, on the little sticky notes um, that they had left out for us for a game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, literally. And, and I'm like notes. taking notes, like as if we're in a classroom. <sighs> Which was nuts. Yeah. But they all said so many great things. And a lot of it had to do with their identities a little bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because if, 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 <laughs> If I'm being honest, if there were people who weren't black that, yeah. telling me those things, yeah. I would have just been like, okay, cool. You know, like it, it's still, you know, they were still imparting, they, I'm sure they still would have been imparting information that was like useful, but like their identity plays their a part, identity in, how plays a part in it. You know, like having a black person say to another black person, like, hey, like this is possible. Like, because I did it. Exactly. And because we have that shared history, you know, of being black in the United States, like it, it just, it's different. It holds it's, a different it's weight. It's different. You know, it, it impacts you emotionally and almost spiritually because they're, con they're connecting with a part of you mm -hmm. that not everybody can connect with, you know, exactly. that only people that look like you can understand. Yeah. So, and a lot of people don't, they're, I don't want to say non-black people don't understand this because there are definitely black people who also don't understand this, but there's this idea that, you know, whoever's imparting the knowledge on you, their identity shouldn't matter. But their identities do matter mm -hmm. because there are aspects of our identities, especially within the U.S., that play a part in how we're able to navigate this world. Mm -hmm. And especially within academia, and as many of the systems in the U.S. are, they're not and we're not designed for us mm -hmm. they were actually designed against us right exactly in being in those spaces so then when when somebody is saying these things to us and they have this shared the same shared, shared aspect of our yeah. identity and they're able to look at you and say i did it and they were able to break through the barrier break there through those go. barriers and take find a space for themselves yeah create and a space that for already themselves weren't, ooh, and already it, weren't connected right in a world that like you said wasn't designed for us like it's that more meaningful and impactful for people who are young individuals who are aspiring to do the same thing for sure. like barack obama being president but uh that was already nuts. kamala being vp uh despite supreme court justice <laughs> Kentonji, like, like yeah there's so many things like there's so many things there are so we keep break you know um uh what's it called being first we haven't stopped being the first you know, for a lot of things. For a now. lot of things. And so it's like And that's not to praise these people for many um controversial aspects of them. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, you know, there there is some praise to give there for the identity that they have mm -hmm. and being in the space that they're in. Right. And breaking those barriers, being those first, being the first black president, mm -hmm. being the first black or having an aspect of blackness yeah, and it's, in your identity yeah. for first VP and you're a woman. Right. Like, a, a womp girl. <laughs> bro, a womp. Yeah. That, that was a mini first. That was a lot of first right yeah. there. And it, it's it's so funny because like the whole thing of the first, like it's it's a good thing and a bad thing because it it's, it's a like, bad yay. thing because it shows like how much work we still have to do. Like it's 2023 and we're just now having a first, you know? Yeah. But it's also like, I'm thankful that at least there is a, there first. Is a first, you know? Yeah. So it's definitely... It's, it's eye-opening for a lot, um, but just the weight of having, yeah, um, just the weight of having that representation, mm -hmm. even even though it's in general and it's not exactly in the arts. But it's, an, speaking it's, to it's that, still important in all fields. For sure. And it's necessary. And so, yeah, just, you know, it's beneficial to talk about it. It's beneficial and letting you know others know as well like hey are you may be the only one that looks like you in your particular discipline mm -hmm. and whether you're in elementary school middle school high school wherever even undergrad because as we've said that's still very possible mm -hmm. um you might be the only one that looks like you but you're not the only one who's been in that position where you're, you're the only one who looks like you right exactly from there generation are, there to generation are a lot of people out there that can relate to you and connect with you and then you know possibly help to build you up you mm -hmm. know um give you that support in this time um yeah no oh, yeah it's just it's worth 
talking about it mm-hmm. and saying something about it, which is the point of the podcast. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's worth it. it. It's worth it to say it because like we said the first time, the first episode, you know, we have all of these qualms. We have all of these feelings and we can't or we're not always given the opportunity to talk to each other about mm-hmm. it and choosing between those aspects of our identity plays a large part in it mm-hmm. and a large part in our, the representation that we see and that we are able to access ourselves. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to wrap things up now. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. This was a good I feel like this was a really good good talking good good juicy I don't even know what I'm trying to say but there was just there was a lot there was a lot to unpack and I and more that I feel like we thought yeah you know like we always plan it out we have like notes that we write down and then yeah we got away a little bit bit. but that's okay because now we got a little bit of taste we got a little taste of what's coming you may not see the rest of it this season you'll probably see it next Next season but you know just be thinking about kind of like oh they started to touch on this and you know like Kara's said before, please, if there's anything that you want us to talk about mm-hmm. or you've thought about us talking about, don't hesitate to reach out to us, DM us, however, email us. Yeah. Um, Drop it in the comments. All of the above. Like, we, like I said, this should be a collective of the artists, black artists, and we want to hear what else others have been through because we can only speak to our experiences as a dancer as a musician and i know that there's a level of representation within visual arts within creative writing within musical theater and issues within there um but you know we can't all speak to that the two of us specifically Mm -hmm. can't speak especially to them but we do know that that's there Mm -hmm. so So, hit us up let us know 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 but anyway in the meantime um i hope everyone has an amazing day (laughs) yeah have a great weekend week whatever you have coming um we hope you thrive we hope you thrive take a deep breath enjoy exactly well all right guys we'll see you guys next time toodles bye